from the strictly isolated studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it's time for another epidemic episode of chemical-free horticultural hijinks. You bet your garden. Yes, the world has been turned upside down by the itty-bittiest of bugs, but we plant lovers have a secret weapon. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, and on today's You Bet Your Garden, we'll suggest a simple way you can escape from the fears and pressures of the ongoing pandemic. And of course, we'll take lots of your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and ironically iconic inculcations. So keep your ears and or eyes right here, cats and kittens, because it's all coming up faster than you being saved by your dandelions right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Lehigh Valley Health Network. In life, we have many kinds of partners, school bus partners, business partners, even gardening partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life, your health? Lehigh Valley Health Network, your health deserves a partner. Welcome to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, an unusual and timely question of the week. I want to hear what you cats and kittens think about that. We're also going to have an interesting interview with a wild food enthusiast. And, of course, we'll take lots of your fabulous phone calls. Before that, I want to mention we're putting the book giveaway on hiatus for a little bit. It will return, okay? But we got to get started at 833-727-9588. Cheryl, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Good morning. How are you? Ducky, Cheryl, how are you? I'm just peachy keen. Oh, Okay. I, there are people who feel I should be peachy when it's nice outside and ducky when it's <laughs> raining, but I, I don't want to get I don't want to get into any religious controversies. All right, where are you? I am in lovely North Hanover, New Jersey. Okay, whereabouts is Which, North Hanover? It's outside of Bordentown and Chesterfield, right near the Arney Town Veterans Cemetery. Okay, what exit? Uh, exit 7A on the turnpike. Okay, there you go. That's how we... There you go. Yeah, that's how I tell everybody where I live. Yeah, exactly. If you're from Jersey, what exit? All right, what can, we, what can we do you for? Uh, I recently purchased a food cycler, and I want to make sure that the um, compost that comes out of it is as good as they say it is. And I figured you're the expert on compost, so I would ask you. Okay. Uh, what exactly do you have? Um, I know, uh, I'm, I'm guessing you have one of these things you'd sit on your countertop that right. through heat right. and some kind of processing breaks down vegetable waste into theoretically compost? Uh, it looks like compost. It smells like compost. Therefore, I think it must be compost, but I'm trying to make sure. Uh, it is one of those food cyclers. Um, you want the name of it or does sure. that not matter to you? It's yeah. a Vitamix. Oh, my goodness. I have one of those stainless steel armor-plated uh, Vitamixes from the 80s, and it is my go-to tool for making tomato sauce. It just, uh, it, it is second only in power to a cyclotron. 
I think, and it is unbreakable. <laughs> so well, uh, this had mixed reviews. Yeah. Um, some people love it. Some people hate it. Mm-hmm. I read all the reviews on it. I dove into it. It's like the size of a bread box. It does sit on the counter. Mm-hmm. It has three cycles: drying, grinding, and cooling. Okay. Um, and you come out with like one tenth of the original amount that you put into it, and you can put just about anything in there. And me trying to be so careful, I chop everything up before I put it in. Okay. So um, the three cycles it, once again in order. Drying, um, drying, grinding, and cooling. Okay. So first it dries the material, taking out the excess moisture. Then it grinds it up, and then it cools it down so it's safe to touch. Right. How long does that whole process take? Now, this is a question. It depends. It depends on what I put in there, and I don't know how it censors it. Sometimes it can run um, what seems a really long time, seven hours. Really? Other okay. times it seems like it's done in five. Mm-hmm. But it's, so five to, it's five to seven hours. It, it's not five happening. Five to seven hours, right. And I checked the wattage, and it's what, like one kilowatt per hour. So it's not that expensive to run. Right. And um, what'd you pay for it? Three hundred. Okay. And so it's not it's not cheap. Right. But I, if I, it lasts as long as your blender, I'll be very happy. Oh, if it's made by Vitamix, unless something tragic has happened, it's gonna it's gonna outlive both of us. Well, I don't know if they actually make it because they say it comes from Canada, and I don't know if Vitamix is a Canadian country or not. Um, geez, uh, no, Vitamix mine was in the states, but. You know, they probably found a product they really like that's made up in Canada and uh, decided to distribute it in the United States. Hey, it's not made in China, you know. No, this is true. It's not made in China. And it seems to be working fine. I mean, I am babying it because, as I said, some people were having problems with it, but they were putting in things that were probably too big. Okay, okay. That's interesting. So So my one question is, they say it sterilizes the soil or the, the, the compost that comes out. Mm-hmm. Does that take out the nutrients? Um, what uh, are you putting in coffee grounds and eggshells? Yeah, I take put in coffee grounds, eggshells, citrus. Um, I put in the lemon peels and the lemon. Put in salads. You can put in chicken. You can put in meat. You can't put in heavy-duty bones. You can put in meat? You can put in chicken, chicken bones. Chicken bone, chicken Aww. bone, chicken bone. And bone. you can put in meat. Hmm. That's intriguing. And it's And you can put in bread. It says, well, bread's not that bad. I put bread in my compost. Um and it says specifically that you can utilize citrus rinds? Yes. Hmm. Because you so know the the apple and the apple core goes in, obviously I cut up the core. You yeah. can't put in pits. You can't put in like an avocado pit or anything like that or I'll bind right. it up. It's just it's got a wheel. It's got a wheel on the bottom that rotates. Right, and uh, my only question, re- well, of course, the meat is is an issue there, um, but there there would be protein in there. Um, it, it, this it says is it produces nitrogen and potassium. Okay, well, that, so that... you know that's what you really need. Um, and whatever comes out of there that is not coffee grounds is like uh, a brownish. The the um, the citrus rinds come out a little crispy. Okay. Um, if it were I and I had this thing, I would not put citrus in. Citrus is very difficult to utilize in a garden. You know, the, um, 
you know, the orange spray that you have in your bathroom and stuff like that, that's made from citrus rinds. Uh, but the material that experts use to remove graffiti from walls is also made out of citrus rinds. They are incredibly acidic. But, I mean, really the only way you can tell is, now, you say it already passes the duck test, right? Uh, Frank Gowen, uh, a retired extension agent in Maryland, who's one of the great compost knowledge people of all time, said, uh, I asked him, how do you tell good bulk compost? He said, does it look like good compost? Does it smell like good compost? Does it feel like good compost? And then, of course, Frank always went, if it looks good, feels good, and smells good, it's a duck. You know, you should put it in your garden. So um, the fact that you say there's no bad odor, right? There's no bad odor, but they do come with, it does come with two carbon filters to get rid of odors. Uh, at, during the process, presumably. During the process, right. Um, so there is no bad odors. It's dry. It looks good when it comes out. It's appealing to look at. Um, and I've been putting it in my um, leaf mulch trial with the, the leaves that I shred up for your instruction. And it even has a chimney. So I've been putting it in there. But we're going to be starting our... Um, family garden, mm -hmm. and I, I did some research, and there's been research scientific done on the product and how to put it in a garden, and it's right. supposedly great for tomatoes and for marigolds. Um, okay, that's an odd combination. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, I think you're doing exactly the right thing, putting it in with your shredded leaves. That's, that's what I've been doing over the winter with my worm castings mixing them in my compost piles with the shredded leaves. Well, that's my next question. I just got a worm farm. And I was wondering if I should be putting it in there with the worms. No, no, because you'd be, you'd be doing double duty. That's what the worms are for. Okay. Yeah, just follow the instructions on the worm farm. You know, a layer of garbage and then a layer of bedding, which is shredded black and white newspaper, and let the little wormies do their job. Um, there, there would be no reason to put in finished material. What about putting in the coffee grounds and the filters into the worm bin? Oh, yeah. Worms love it. But they're also the best source of nitrogen from the food that you're putting into your, your thingy there. And worms will get by just fine with lettuce leaves and apple cores, but don't expose them to any citrus. Right. Then I, then I realized. Well, I went all out, and they gave me this coir, C-O-I-R is how it's spelled. What is it? bedding. C-O-I-R. Uh, oh, core. Yeah, the, the peat moss substitute. Right. Yeah, right. when I first got my worm tower, I got a block of core with it, too. And I used it and all that. But over the years, I've had this thing for well over a decade, just garbage and shredded uh, black and white newspaper. Okay, it's hard to find black and white newspaper. It all seems to have color in it. <laughs> I know, no. It's a, kind of a, a generic term. means not, not slick ad inserts or stuff like that. I got that. you. I got you. Okay. All right, listen. I think you should use it. I think you should try it. And I want you to call back and, and tell us what your results are. You, you are now officially a citizen scientist. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So excited. My kids are involved, too, and they absolutely love you. They turned me on to you. Oh, that's great. How old are your kids? Uh, my youngest is 24, and my oldest is 34, and the, we have six, they're so gonna there's a lot of them. Six, huh? Yeah. I, I'm always learning from my kids, which okay. is a great thing at my age. i got to learn from somebody. Excellent. I think some of these kids are going to save the world. 
I think so. They, we need them, that's for sure. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. This is very intriguing. Stay in touch with us, okay? Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. Number to call, 833-727-9588. Mike, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you, Mike. Well, Always good to talk to a fellow Mike. Yeah, that's right. Um, and I'm not only a Mike, I'm a Mick, but that's another story there. Where is this Mike? I am in Norfolk, Virginia. Oh, very good. We're very happy to be on the air there. Uh, what can we do for uh, Mike in the greater Tidewater area? I uh, ran into a problem with stink bugs and leaffoot bugs last year. And I tried to get rid of them using a vacuum and also some neem oil. Okay. But it, I went, I wound up burning my plants basically. And with the um, neem? Yes, I think I put too much of a concentration. Gotcha. Now the leaf-footed bug, I have never seen this in in life. I've only seen pictures of it, but it's crazy. It's got frog feet. Yes, it is. Uh, a very strange-looking bug. It looks like it's armored. Yeah. Um, so what were they attacking? Tomatoes. Of course. Now, one interesting possibility, if you've listened to the show, you've heard me talk about floating row covers. The biggest brand name is Remake. And it's my understanding that the leaf-footed bug has a very short life cycle in the garden. It's only active for about a month, right? Yes, that would be what I saw. Yeah. So how do you grow your tomatoes? Uh, do you stake them? Do you cage them? Do you lay them over lawn chairs? I grow them in cages. Okay, good. Um, what I'm going to suggest is something that farmers do that seems too simple, but it's actually very clever, is just check your garden every day and when the first leaf-footed bug shows up, uh, put the reme row covers over your tomatoes. Tomatoes are not pollinated by insects. They're kind of pollinated by vibration. So you could even leave the row covers on for an extended period of time, and every once in a while, just go out and kind of shake the cage. Um, okay. Yeah, because that's all they need to pollinate, if you go into some of these big greenhouses in Europe and stuff, and they're growing the tomatoes hydroponically, you'll see that they have big uh, stations for bumblebees all, all around. Not that the bumblebees are going to get the pollen, because I don't, I've never seen a bee on a tomato flower, but they'll buzz around, and apparently that's how tomatoes are pollinated. It's very cool. Oh. So the nice thing about physical protection is once you get it and you tie it up at the bottom so it's, it's good and tight, you don't have to buy anything again. You don't have to be out there spraying all the time. You don't have to be out there with the Electrolux all the time. And when insects can't feed, they move on. So the infestation of the leaf-footed bug may last even less than a month because they want to get fed. They're going to go somewhere else. You know, the stink right. bugs are more problematic, but again, that same uh, cure would work for them. This is, you always have a huge advantage when plants don't need pollination 
because then you can put these row covers on. And where you are in Virginia, um, I would advise you to get the lightest weight row covers. One nice thing about the lightweight row covers, all the sunshine gets through, all the rain gets to the plant, and they don't hoard heat like the heavyweight ones, which would be for people further north of you. Um, but if you're compulsive or you're just good taking care of your things, you can take these down at the end of the season, fold them up carefully, and reuse them for many seasons to come. It's really a, a very inexpensive solution to an annoying problem. Well, that's a great suggestion. That's why I get the big money here, Mike. <laughs> well, it's time for me to take a little break and announce that none of my upcoming appearances, which include the Allentown Public Library on April 27th and two separate appearances in Virginia in May, have been canceled yet. But who knows what's going to happen? So keep an eye on the events section of our website for the latest details. But don't check it just yet, because we'll be right back with an interview with a wild plant enthusiast and more of your enthusiast phone calls or enthusiastic phone calls, whichever you want. You can pick and choose. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodell Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by Rodale Institute. Cool weather garden plants are available for order during Rodale Institute's organic spring plant sale. Orders can be placed by phone for curbside pickup on Friday, April 3rd and Saturday, April 4th. Details and information at RodaleInstitute.org. Rodale Institute, because the future is organic. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. It's so exciting. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Lynn, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for being had, Lynn. <laughs> Where are you? Uh, I'm in downtown Philadelphia. <laughs> All right. What can we do for Lynn in um, Center City? Well, I wanted to introduce myself. For over 10 years, I've been the founder of the Wild Foodies of Philly, and you can find us at wildfoodies.org. And we're a resource website plus a meetup group. Um, again, over uh, 4,900 members uh, from uh, Philadelphia and the region. And what we do is we uh, do educational tours um, to show people all about the wild, edible, medicinal, and fiber plants that are around us. Oh, huh. okay. Wild foodies. So you eat wild food, and you're also wild and crazy people, right? Yes, we are. We are very wild and crazy people. But uh, one of the uh, most exciting things I've done recently is to publish um, uh, a PowerPoint called Wild Foodies 101, mm -hmm. and we feature over uh, 220 plants and 144 slides. So people can just download that and just zip through the slides just as a, you know overview as, as to what's out there. Give us... Give us some highlights of edible plants that are growing wild. 
in the Philadelphia area? Well, right now, as we speak, uh, bittercrafts is up all over. So that's a um, you know that's in the mustard family. It's a small little plant, um, and also pennycrest, which is a personal favorite. Nice. That's up on Lemon Hill, um, and these are small you know again plants in the in the mustard family. Uh, what's available all year round is um, white pine needles to make pine needle tea. Oh, okay. Right, and they're I was high in say, vitamin that, that C. That gets caught in your throat. <clears> throat. Yes, but you have to filter that out. Yeah. So what we put at the beginning of the PowerPoint slide and in our uh, cautions and comments sections of our website is, you know, how to prepare, what parts to prepare, things like that. So and what does the, the what what does the pine needle tea taste like? Is it piney? And theoretically, what magical properties does it convey? It has uh, it's high in vitamin C, and so it tastes like pine. <laughs> <laughs> so you can just drink pine saw. Come on. Yeah, right. Why not? <laughs> That's cleansing. Yeah. <laughs> and it freshens your breath. Right, right. Well, you know, uh, wild foods is something you just learn about every year because plants do change and uh, plants are imported or invasive plants. And, you know, they all have a lot of uh, uses and helpful properties. So it's, it's just always very interesting to well, find out about this. As you know, this has a long history. It has two long histories. The first long history probably goes back thousands and thousands of years um, before people... Well, or as people cultivated plants and they ate plants from the wild. Uh, but I guess the first person to popularize this in the modern world would have had to have been the great Yule Gibbons, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. And then um, somebody that I'm really a fan of is the Green Dean. He has the weeds. <laughs> <laughs> That's Dean with an E, D-E-A-N-E. I thought we were talking, I flashed back to Captain Kangaroo. I thought we were talking about Mr. Green Jeans. Yeah, well, you know, he did live up in the Northeast, and now he lives down in Florida, but he has a really excellent website, uh, eattheweeds.com, where he um, he gives a whole overview and the history of the plants and that sort of thing. It's really great. But the first, um, you know, we have plant profiles on these plants as well, so I list, um, you know, parts of the plant you can eat and how to prepare, but also the um, links to all these really great groups like uh, Plants for a Future, PFAS. Let's get back, let's get back to the plants because I like mm -hmm. to keep centered on mm -hmm. my topic or else I start being distracted by bright and shiny objects. Um, how do you feel about wild onions? Oh, they're great. They're great. Um, and you can really find them most easily this time of year where they're Oh, yeah. yeah. Most people can find them very easily. Yeah, it's, it's great. And people don't even realize that they have these little bulblets, you know, in the ground. And so they, all parts of that plant can be uh, used. They're um, all, uh, they are alliums, the same as onions and garlic. Right, right. And, they, and there they are. And people, you know, tend to walk right by them. The thing that happens uh, when people start to learn about these wild edibles and that they're all around us is they, they say, you know, now wherever I walk, I'm always looking down at the ground because I'm recognizing things and what the use is. And, um, you know, our educational system is basically focused on parts of the plant uh, instead of uses. And it's the uses where people really get excited as to, you know, what these plants can do for them. Can I uh, tell you? Can I tell you what my favorite wild plant is that I look forward to every spring? 
Mm, what's that? Violets. Wild violets. The purple ones, the white ones with the purple streaks. They look gorgeous, and I will go out and pick quarts of them because, like pansies, wild violets contain rutin, R-U-T-I-N, which is an essential nutrient for keeping your blood pressure steady and for your heart health. But damn, the more important aspect is five pansy or wild violet flowers a day will either prevent or begin to reverse the visible effects of varicose and spider veins. So this might be the most important wild plant in the world as we head into bathing suit season. Oh, yes. Well, you know, one of my favorite plants is uh, plantain, which is your mm -hmm. quintessential yardweed that, you know, everyone pulls out. But it's a huge medicinal uh, plant. It's it just, uh, I've used it all, in all kinds of ways, internally and externally, um, for its antibacterial uh, qualities and things and, like that. And I want to uh, let you know, for no good reason whatsoever, that I recently learned the correct pronunciation is plantain. Oh, good, good. <laughs> but if you I'll, say I'll that, no, right away. <laughs> nobody's going to know what you're talking about. They go, oh, excuse me, plantain what? <laughs> well, that's that's fine. That that's good. Sometimes I say plantago because when you say plantain, people think of the you know the banana yeah the kind of banana thing. thing. Yeah, right, right. Now, what about the dangers? What about dog poop and pee? And what about areas that might have been sprayed? Yeah, that is a problem, actually, uh, for the spraying. Uh, you know, where I've been uh, in contact with the city council for quite some time, asking them to, and and Parks and Rec to stop the spraying because they do spray in certain areas, yeah. which is really a bad idea. Um, and, as, I, and as you and I know, it doesn't hurt the weeds, no, so no, it's, right. it's well, still you tempting know, to go and eat them. What, what, you know, I live on one of the uh, historic streets in Philly with, the, you know, the, the bricks and, and, and uh, vegetation likes to grow up between the bricks, and I just simply use straight vinegar. Oh, you mean and, your, uh, your actual street is paved yeah, with Belgian yeah. block? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's brick, actually. It's, it's really? Ours is brick. Most okay. of them are uh, some sort of block, stone block. Yeah. But, um, you know, and you I know do there's use... still one wooden street left in Philly. Well, that if you're if you're thinking of Kamak, um, I've got bad news. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, um, they're they're supposed to fix it, but um, right now they they asphalted over it. Um, oh. You know, yes, it's, they paved uh, paradise. I know, but they they have plans to restore it eventually. But uh, yeah, because I've, I've I'm also um, founder of. The Society of Small Streets in Philadelphia. Do you so, ever sleep? Do you have all this time on your hands? Here? <laughs> right. <laughs> but at, at any rate, so, you know, we've got a no lot No wonder of, you're eating wild plants. You don't have time to go to Whole Foods. Yeah, that's right. Or, or Organic Moms or any of the other mm -hmm. places around here. You know, by the way, there are some, you know, Organic Moms is selling burdock root and salsify root, which is, you know, those are wild. And plants. early dandelion greens before the buds form. That's a delicacy in Italy. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, and it's interesting with the dandelion and the uh, chicory. Uh, people think of that root for, you know, roasting and making a coffee substitute kind of thing or extender. But they don't think of it as a root vegetable. Just oh, it is. As is, yeah. Dandelion roots are rich in calcium. 
Right, right. And and I really love um, the burdock root because it tastes like, um, um, oh, what is that? The... Now I went. To now you're having a senior moment. I am like having me. a this senior is, moment. We, we can't have two people here who can't have a vocabulary. Right, right, right. What but do you think, anyway, Ducky? Yes, yeah. forget that. I, I I just lost it completely. But at any rate, a lot of these root vegetables, the greens are great for vitamins and minerals. But the root vegetables you need for your, you know, for calories. And, oh yeah. You know, things you like that. Probably so. roast them like beets. Right, right. So, um, you know, it's, yes, there are cautions and preparations and, um, you know, things like that but that you have to take into consideration. That's all covered in your 101. Oh, yes. Okay, yeah, so. That's, and that's in the plant profiles, and um, I have a special page on poisonous plants, so that's, mm -hmm. it's important to know that. Do you agree with what uh, Yule Gibbons once said? that there are no poisonous plants that taste good. Nature doesn't want to kill you. Um, you know, I'm not sure. We're not talking would... about mushrooms. We're just talking about the green. Well, um, well, um, yes. Yeah, Backed I'm, you into I'm a thinking, corner, what, didn't I? <laughs> what I'm thinking of is, I'm thinking of, I, I guess I'm not thinking of a green. I'm thinking of, um, you know, the yew bush and that, that seed that's mm -hmm. very toxic. And I don't know that you would really taste that. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't quite agree with that, and I wouldn't take that to the bank. Right. And some things that, that taste very uh, spicy that I would think would be, you know, maybe poisonous aren't poisonous at all. No, uh, of course, so, all of the alliums and stuff like that. Yeah, I think there's no hard and fast rule. There's always, um, you know, exceptions. So I would be, you know, careful about that. Okay, so yeah. tell us the deal again. Um, the name of your group? Um, it's We are the Wild Foodies of Philly, and you can find us at wildfoodies.org. And that's where people can take this little introductory primer about wild foods. Oh, yeah. It's a lot of fun, and I also show dishes that are made from these foods as well. So the, the slides are very... Um, you know, entertaining. Uh, it's supposed to be a, a once-over. We do have plant profiles that have a lot more detailed information. All right. Well, Laura, thank you very much, and I'll see you out picking uh, wild violets. <laughs> Great. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 833-727-9588. Marie, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Well, thanks, Mike. I'm just so excited to be talking to you. And <laughs> we'll erase that excitement within minutes, Marie. Okay. Don't, don't worry about that. I have a question about the visitors that I've been getting in my kitchen. Okay. Which, that, could know, have been, that could have been me. I was just passing by and the back door was open. Okay. Um, before we get to that, where are you? I'm in beautiful Haycock Township around the corner from Ockleyboxville near Quakertown. Oh, okay. I was hoping to get something <laughs> that I knew where it was. All right, so who's invading your kitchen? Well, I've been having the little uh, visitors, uh, little ants coming. Oh, okay. And it's nice to see people right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But if it's, if it's more than groups of 10 ants at a time, the federales could come in. So I was just—I know that there's a solution, and I remember when I read about it about the boric acid. Okay, the concept behind boric acid traps is you mix up water, sugar, and a very low dose of boric acid, and then you have to stay your hand and not kill the ants because the workers will come to these ant trap and 
they'll come for the sweetness, then they'll take away um, the boric acid-laced bait into the colony, and it'll eventually make its way to the queen. Now, okay. the low dose is not harmful to them immediately, but with repeated dosing, it builds up in their bodies. And after day like five or seven, that first ant goes, I don't feel too good. And then within a couple of days, the whole colony is dead, including the queen. Okay. This is the only way to get to the queen because you can never find where the colony is. But once the queen is gone, uh, as you must understand, the men are helpless. They just kind of wander <laughs> around. They don't know what to do anymore. They get into trouble, car crashes, you know. So once you get rid of the queen, your problems are over. Now, I think it's easier just to go out and buy commercial boric acid bait traps. You don't have to worry about mixing anything up. But if you want to go back to that original recipe, go to youbetyourgarden.org. Okay. Click on answers to hundreds of your garden questions. That'll right. take you to the Gardens Alive website where they have archived for me all these hundreds of questions of the week. Type ants down in the search engine, uh, which asks you, you know, if you're looking for one of Mike's articles. And I did this the other day because I had another question about ants. And what was funny, because the first three answers were plants, you know, P-L-A-N-T-S. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like 10 things down, there was the old original ant article. And that had the recipe. Okay, you, you don't want to trust my memory. Um, but, and again, you can buy commercial ant traps. But also in that article, I was reminded my friend Bill Quarles from the BIRC, the Biointegral Resource um, something, <laughs> not company, what is it? Center, Biointegral Resource Center in Berkeley, California. He's been editing journals about uh, common sense pest control for over 25 years. And one thing he said is when you have ants, the other option is to kill them, but then take some white vinegar or something like that and erase the trails that you can't see. When the ants come into your house, they leave down a trail of pheromones so that the next generation of ants can find what they want. So sometimes it is as easy as continually wiping away their trails. Because again, these are all male workers. They come in, they can't find the road, they won't ask for directions, <laughs> they kind of wander around, you know. That's great. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everyone out there that there is no quarantine on nature. So if you're hunkering down at home, spend a lot of time outside with your plants. It may be the only group of 10 or more that it's safe to be with. But don't go outside just yet, because we'll be right back with a most unusual question of the week that I just foreshadowed, and more of your foreshadowing phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodell Institute Radio at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. 
Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Rodale Institute Radio and Television at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. All right, the number to call always is, always will be 833-727-9588 keys, just like a piano. Tyler, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Thank you, Mike. Well, thank you, Tyler. How are you, man? I'm good. A little bit rainy today. Okay, well, you know, they say it's good for the plants now. Yes, where, where is Tyler being rained on? <clears throat> Altoona, PA. All right. I have been there. I have spoken in Altoona, so I know where oh. you are. A little chilly <laughs> up there. What can we do you for? So I recently bought three apple trees that are true dwarfs, and I was wondering when I would be able to plant them and what means I could use to support them until they take crap. Um, okay, so... You say you bought them. Um, did you buy them online, or did you get them in a garden center? I did buy them online. And how were they shipped? And you have them in hand. They were shipped bare root. Okay. And have and you? They are, Go ahead. And they are uh, they're wrapped in the the paper mache. Okay. Um, that's an interesting concept. So uh, when did they arrive? Uh. One week ago. Okay, excellent, excellent. And um, let's see, you're in Altoona. Is uh, is the ground frozen or is it workable? I mean, you said it's raining. We don't want you to uh, to dig a hole while it's raining. But um, uh, what's coming up for you? It's been workable. It hasn't been frozen too much this year up here. It's been pretty mild. It's been in the 50s for the last week, I would say, in Altoona. Yeah, no, it's been, it's, you know, the planet is having a hot flash. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's been very mild. Very yeah, you're going to be, you're going to be tropical in 20 years. So <laughs> the important thing with bare root plants is, and, and by the way, apple trees, as you know, are very hardy. Okay. So there's no reason not to simply plant them. Um, you know, as soon as the, the ground dries out a little bit. But before you plant them, it's very important to take those bare roots and sit them in a bucket of water for at least an hour, preferably a little bit longer. Each would, would, is distilled water the best, best uh, use, Mike, for water instead of using something that could be treated? Well, you know, that, that's a whole separate issue, uh, you know, okay. when they fluoridate the water or, you know, use different chemicals to purify it. So rainwater is the best. You said it's rainwater. raining now. Put some buckets so, out. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. Rainwater is the best water. But you want to hydrate the roots and then forget everything you've been told about planting. You want to dig a wide hole, but not a deep one. Uh, you want to reserve, so to speak, the soil you removed because you're not going to improve the soil in the planting hole. You need, no. you need the roots of your apple trees to go out into your lousy soil instead of staying in a nice little island of good okay. soil. Um, apple trees, uh, they are prone to disease, so you want to plant them where they're going to get morning sun. And again, you want to uh, dig a wide hole, but not a deep one. 
and you want to spread those roots out as much as possible, like a spider, and okay. then you're going to backfill the hole with the same soil you removed, and then you're going to step back and look at it and make sure you can see the root flare of the tree slightly above ground. If it looks like okay. a lollipop, plant it higher. And okay. then improve the soil on top by mulching, by mulching each plant with two inches of compost. Okay. I have yep. never supported a single tree that I've planted and they've all done well. Um, okay. I don't believe in, in staking or roping or anything like that. But are, are you in a rural area? No, I'm in, I'm in the city. Yeah, okay. I'm in the city of Oklahoma. So, so you, um, do you have any deer? No, uh, the biggest thing we have are just some pesky squirrels and cats that come through the garden. Okay. I would, did they come with uh, tree guards, plastic tree guards that wrap around the yeah. trunk? No, I, that's what I wanted to see if that would be something to put on, but monitor it as it grows and then remove it when necessary. Well, it, the uh, if you don't have deer that'll come browsing through your garden, the tree guards I would recommend you put on in the late fall um, because as the weather gets colder, rabbits and evil squirrels and other animals like that <laughs> might come and nibble at the bark of exactly. your apple trees. And if your squirrels are truly evil, I would get the plant guards right away. And you don't have to worry about removing them because they, they're not a solid tube. They wrap around and so, so it they, won't... they expand with the trunk of the tree. Okay, yep, makes sense. Makes perfect sense. And so it, can... you know, make sure they're white tree guards and then you don't have to worry about sun scald. Um, breaking open White. the bark of the tree. Yeah. Okay. So awesome. Well, I'm excited for spring and to plant these, Mike. I really appreciate your information. I listen to you every week. It's very valuable. Thank you. What kind of varieties did you get? Just curiously. Uh, so I got the Baker's Delight, mm -hmm. a Sweet 16, and a Crunch a Bunch. I do believe when I was reading on them that they would all cross pollinate with each other. Oh yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. And, uh, you know, the best, you know, the more trees you have, the more pollination you're going to get and the more fruit and the better quality. Okay. Now, wh what would you recommend a distance-wise to plant those so that they would, so that they have the, the best chance at pollinating each they other? Don't ha they don't have to be right next to each other. Uh, the flowers are very attractive to bees, and the bees will travel vast distances. So they don't need to be buttoned up against each other. Actually, okay. you want to make sure they all have really good airflow. So the further apart, really, in one sense, the better. Okay. Thank you, Mike. All right. Good luck, sir. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye. And now for a highly unusual question of the week, because there is no question, but we're calling this the real cure for the coronavirus is just around the corner. In fact, part of it is already here. As I type these words on the 16th of March, my entire Commonwealth of Pennsylvania is essentially on hiatus, as is much of the rest of the nation and the world. Major and minor league baseball have been postponed, 
with the players forbidden to even hold, quote, Sandlot games, which I would have watched with great enthusiasm because I'm wearing out my old VHS tapes of Ken Burns' great PBS series on baseball. March Madness has been canceled, forcing office workers to resort to legal gambling, except that the casinos are also closed. Bottles of hand sanitizer are approaching the price of gold, with toilet paper not far behind. Uncertainty rules, with one great exception. No one can cancel spring, and no one can stop us from gardening. Here in PA, the state-run wine and spirit shops are closed. I thought they were only closing non-essential stores. Wine is a good antiviral, and vodka makes a great surface disinfectant. But in my front yard, the crocus are blooming to the delight of the native bees that have been feeding on their pollen on sunny days, even the days following freezing cold nights. And the blooms on most of the snowdrops and glorious snow are still hanging on. The forsythia are in bloom, despite the fact that they already bloomed last November. Perhaps they realize how much we need their brightness now. My daffodils are just about to open, and the tulips are right behind them. Thanks to the blessed non-intervention of my evil squirrels, who once took every single tulip bulb out of one of my beds and replaced each bulb with a black walnut. Had to give them points for inventiveness and determination, but it gave new meaning to the phrase black forest. The movies are closed. Broadway is dark. But the sun still rises in the east and makes my fall-planted pansies warm and happy. That reminds me to pinch off a few flowers from my salad tonight. Yes, pansy flowers are edible. They are also the only true food source of the nutrient rutin, which has the power to prevent or even reverse the visible effects of varicose and spider veins. The distinctive red shoots of my peonies have broken ground with the promise of crazy big pink flowers that no government order can stop. St. Patrick's Day was canceled in Ireland, which, yes, is one of the signs of the apocalypse. But no one can stop the greening of spring, even if the record amounts of tree pollen have forced me to hoard boxes of Kleenex. Oh, little offsides here. Apologies to the person whose shopping cart I raided for the last two boxes in the store. You're bad for leaving that cart unattended. Oh, and thanks for the toilet paper, too. Anyway, the buds on my azaleas and rhododendrons are fat and happy. Soon that show will begin, and the ancient two-story high rhododendron in the front will be covered by hundreds of blooms, each more entertaining than the best Pixar movie. Yes, most of us, quote, have never seen anything like this but perhaps my garden tulips have. They were old when we moved in 35 years ago. Nobody knows how old my house is, and the older neighbors tell me the tulips, quote, were always there. Yesterday, I walked outside and pulled up a clump of onion grass, and rather than just toss it into the woods, I stopped to marvel at the structure and intense aroma of this accidental cousin of onions and garlic. Then I tossed it into the woods. Oh, and yes, the garlic. Planted in early September last year, the shoots are up and looking good. And so I dream of the ritual of harvest time, 
when I will carefully pull up each bulb, gently brush the dirt off, and then arrange the bulbs on the table in my enclosed porch to cure under the gentle breeze of the ceiling fan. The porch and kitchen island are currently covered with baby tomato and pepper plants under lights. All right. Actually, most of the tomatoes are already two months old, thanks to my clever idea of starting my peppers super early to get an earlier harvest. But I was out of seed starting mix, so I combined some potting soil from old containers with castings from my wonderful worm bin. Everything came up great. But eventually I realized that, hey, these aren't peppers. But I will have the first tomatoes on the block, perhaps even before it's warm enough for the plants to go outside. Hopefully the government will realize that garden centers and nurseries are just as essential as gas stations and grocery stores. I can guarantee that flats of peppers, tomatoes, flowers, and the like are being grown for us all over the country and will be ready to rock out by Mother's Day. In the meantime, seek out blooming bulbs and flowering cherries. Stare intently at the new greenery of roses and the inevitable invasion of the hostas. There is something growing or flowering wherever you are. And this is the time to marvel at the wonder and persistence of plants. Because as they said in that song, they can't take that away from me or you. Well, that sure was an unusual quote question of the week, now wasn't it? If you would like to read it over at your leisure or your leisure, be assured that even this question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you will always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to topple my tulips if I don't get out of this studio. We must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 833-727-9588, or send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse, teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. O-R-G. Please include your location. You'll find all of this contact information, plus answers to all your garden questions, audio of this show, video of this show, audio and video of old shows, informative details about my upcoming events, and links to our internationally renowned podcast. It's all at YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Rodale Institute Television and Radio in association with Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created by George and Ira Gershwin. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. 
our peerless princess of profound production is Tavia Minnick. Our website wonder is Nicole Harrell. Our audio editor is the lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is Judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director is Javier Diaz. Eric Werner is running the camera this week. That's Werner, not Warner. If it was Warner, he might have money. Zach the Tack Wisniewski may or may not be in the house. Our beloved and beleaguered CEO, Tim Fallon, who is not our executive producer, is safely sequestered in Aruba because, quote, no sacrifice is too great. I'm your host, Mike McGrath, hoping that the studio stays open and the crick don't rise so I can see you again next week. Hey, boy. Hey, boy. Where's the ball? Where's the ball? <gasps> Ready? <gasps> Go get it, boy. That's a good boy. Drop it. Drop it. Good boy. Good boy. Loyal partners. Throughout life, you have many different partners. Shouldn't you have one for the most important aspect of life? Your health. Lehigh Valley Health Network. Your health deserves a partner. Learn more at lvhn.org. What can you expect to hear on the next thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden? I'm Mike McGrath, and I have no idea if they'll even let me into the studio. But if they do, I'll be silly and take lots of your fabulous phone calls. That's on the next You Bet Your Garden. Maybe. <laughs>